When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, I lived in New York City and Manhattan all my life, okay? So, you know, my views are a little bit different than if I lived in Iowa, perhaps. I am pro-choice in every respect and as far as it goes. I am pro-life. Everybody knows I'm pro-life. But you still, I just believe in choice. There has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah. I've been told by some people that was a older line answer. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man whose campaign is bragging about its efforts to suppress the black vote, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So we've talked on this show before about the cycle of anxiety, the way people get a little complacent and then they start to get more worried based on an outlier poll here and there, something you see that says the race may be tightening or Trump may be a little bit ahead in Florida. Of course, a lot of it is based on Trump's own propaganda, where he claims he's ahead in various states, either based on nothing at all or based on an outlier kind of online poll that doesn't really have any meaning. But I think it's time to address the anxiety about the numbers head on. And for that, I've invited Harry Enten, Nate Silver's colleague at 538, to talk to us about what the numbers really are and how worried we should be about them. I'll be back with that interview right after we do the tweets. Major story that the Dems are making up phony polls in order to suppress the Trump. We are going to win. Why has nobody asked Kane about the horrible views emanated on WikiLeaks about Catholics. Media in the tank for Clinton, but Trump will win. We are winning, and the press is refusing to report it. Don't let them fool you. Get out and vote. Hashtag drain the swamp on November 8th. Obamacare is a disaster. Rates going through the sky, ready to explode. I will fix. Hillary can't. Hashtag Obamacare failed. If you can't run your own house, you certainly can't run the White House. A statement by Mrs. Obama about crooked Hillary Clinton. Why didn't Hillary Clinton announce that she was inappropriately given the debate questions. She secretly used them. Crooked Hillary. My guest today is Harry Enten. He's a senior political writer and analyst for 538. He's on the excellent 538 podcast. You may have heard him as a guest on The Gist. Harry, welcome to the show. 
My pleasure to be with you. So my friends are starting to get a little panicky again about the outcome of the election. And the first thing they're seeing is polls that may or may be may or may not be anomalous in Florida and other places. How much do you think there's any change in Trump's direction at the moment? Well, I mean, you can look at the national sort of popular vote, and we project that out at 538. And we have seen a slight tightening of it. You know, after the first debate, after Clinton sort of reached her peak, she was up by about seven percentage points. Now we have her up by about six percentage points. So there has been a slight tightening. But keep in mind, that tightening took a number of weeks to occur. And now we're less than two weeks from the election. It, unless something happens, unless there's a real speed up in Trump's momentum, then Hillary Clinton's going to have a lead going into election day. And the only thing that could really save Donald Trump's candidacy is if there's a polling misfire. Yeah, well, I want to talk about the polling misfire in a minute, but let's talk first a little about what the polls do say. Are there places on the map, states in particular, where you think Trump may be closing the gap in a more meaningful way based on the polls you're seeing? I don't think, you know, there's any one particular place where he's really closing. I mean, there's been a few polls in Florida suggest that perhaps he's closed, but a number of those polls were robo-polls that didn't call cell phones. The bloomberg Selzer poll is a notable, ex- a notable exception to that rule. But I should point out that the vast majority of polls in the state of Florida still have Hillary Clinton ahead. And we know, based upon how the other states are going, if Hillary Clinton wins in the state of Florida, she wins in 99% of our simulations, and she is still favored to win in that state. Yeah. It's sort of a commonplace that, that elections tighten towards the end. I mean, how much do they tighten and when do they tend to tighten? Well, you know, it really does depend how many undecideds there are, right? And what I should point out is that if you look at the numbers that we've been projecting out, it's not so much that Hillary Clinton's losing ground. In fact, she's picked up a little bit of ground. It's just that Donald Trump has perhaps picked up a little bit more ground as Gary Johnson's percentage of the vote has shrunk. I mean, elections do tighten as there are a lot more undecideds. But right now, we just don't have the number of undecideds, even if it's higher than it was four years ago, in my mind, to think that Trump will really be able to close the gap that much more going forward. I have something embarrassing to admit about about the way you run these simulations. Now, I am not great with statistics, but what you just referred to, that you run hundreds, thousands of simulations – I understand how that might work with a ball game, but I don't really understand how that works with an election because presumably the result would be the same every time if you run it, the same voters on the same day. Well, what, I mean, what we are essentially doing is, you know, we're taking all these polls. We understand how often the polls are sort of off in one direction or the other or which pollsters are necessarily correct and which ones aren't. And it's really just understanding what's the percentage chance that the polls are going to be wrong. I mean, if you, for instance, look at pollster.com, they offer a projection of how likely is it that so-and-so candidate is leading based upon the polls. And the polls are such that chances are that Hillary Clinton is definitely leading in the race, but that's different than projecting whether she's going to actually win the race. And while polls in presidential elections certainly tend to be more accurate than in other elections, certainly more accurate than, say, House elections in the United States or in the U.K. general elections there for projecting who's going to control parliament, they're still not perfect. There are still errors that occur in polls, and that's what the simulations are really getting at, is how often do we have it where the... Um, sort of Trump's pro-Trump side comes up ahead. Yeah, but I mean, this is my ignorance here, but isn't the aggregation of 
polls sort of a version of the same thing? I mean, I understand if you had one poll, you could do the poll and it could produce a different result on a different day. But if you're, you're doing a meta poll of all these polls, how do you then run a simulation that produces a different result from the meta poll? Well, well, essentially what we're saying is how, how often is the poll going to be off? I mean, that, that's what's really going on with these simulations is how, how, what do we understand is the margin of error of this, of this meta poll per se? How often is the average off? And that's what we're, where we're really getting our simulations from. We're not running off of each individual poll. We're running it off of the aggregate and understanding how accurate these aggregates have been in the past based upon the number of polls that we have in this average and the sample sizes and the accuracy of the polls that go into them. So then let's talk about the possibility of some kind of systemic error in the polling. I mean, obviously, this is what you saw with Brexit, and it's why every British person I know is more pessimistic than most of the Americans, because they just had this experience of polls generally pointing to result and then getting the opposite result. So how is this like that or not like that? Well, I, I mean, there are a few things. Number one, I, I, this Brexit thing has almost taken on a life of its own. If you look at the polls during the month of June, and obviously I believe the Brexit vote took place on June 23rd. If you look at polls during the month of June, I believe there were 17 polls that showed that Leave was ahead, 14 polls that showed that Remain was ahead, and three polls that showed a tie. So that's a very close race, in fact, with Leave leading in slightly more polls than Remain. What occurred in that particular case to me is much more analogous to what happened during the Republican primary, when all of the polls showed that Donald Trump was ahead, but most people simply didn't believe the polls. They believed, based upon past president, that there was no possible way that Leave could possibly win. So it really wasn't a polling misfire per se. Yes, Leave did a little better, little bit better than the polling average, but not that much better. And Leave was again ahead in more polls than Remain was. So this, to me, is very, very different. Number one, you have. Hillary Clinton with a much larger lead than either Leave or Remain had. And number two, if you're going to argue that there's going to be some systematic error in the polls, Brexit isn't the one that I would point to. If anything, I'd point to perhaps the UK general election 2015, where the Conservatives and Labour were pretty much neck and neck in the polls, and then Conservatives obviously won that national point by greater than five percentage points. And you guys actually called that in the other direction, didn't you? I mean, wasn't wasn't, wasn't Nate saying that on the eve of, of the election that Labour was favored? We had a very, very tight race um, in terms of Labour and Conservative. I believe we still had... Um, Whatever it was, it was very tight. We had that neither side was going to win a, ma- a majority. Whoever had the, the most seats in parliament would be a hung parliament with the Liberal Democrats and the Scottish National Party sort of breaking that tie. So we had a tight race, and that was based upon the polls that were at that time showing a tight race, which to me, again, if you're thinking that there's going to be you know, a big polling miss, that's the example that I would point to. But I should also point out that generally speaking, the UK polls have been less accurate than those in America. Yeah. It's interesting about Brexit, though, psychologically, people were complacent. But you're saying their complacency wasn't really based on the polls. They should have been less complacent based on the data before the election. That's exactly right. If you looked at the polls before Brexit, it clearly indicated that Leave had a pretty good shot of of winning that. And I think just people couldn't believe their eyes, which to me is much more like the Republican primary with people, including myself, saying, wait a minute, although the polls show Donald Trump is doing particularly well, past president indicates that there's no way he could possibly win. And it turns out that the polls are right there. And I think the real lesson for Brexit isn't to distrust the polls, it's to trust the polls over, say, conventional wisdom, although in this particular case, conventional wisdom and the polls seem to both be pointing towards Hillary Clinton winning. 
So if you're a listener to the show and you're prone to anxiety about the election and you're worried that there should, could be some sort of systemic error in the polling, what could it be? What would you be worried about? Well, I would think that one thing that could, I mean, there, there would be two reasons particularly why I would think Donald Trump could win. And keep in mind that there could be other reasons why it could happen besides the two that I list. Number one, it could be that turnout turns uh, turnout is much lower than we expect, although Hillary Clinton leads in all the registered voter polls and most of the likely voter polls. It could be the fact that maybe some people get complacent on Election Day and just stay home so that even though Hillary Clinton is the choice of more Americans than Donald Trump is, the people who turn out on Election Day end up being a different crowd. And then the second one, which has obviously been spoken about a number of times, is perhaps there's some Donald Trump voters who, for whatever reason, don't want to tell pollsters that they are going to vote for Donald Trump. But again, we have no real proof that that's going to be the case. The primaries indicate Donald polling on Donald Trump, if anything, overestimated how well he was going to do. And when we look at, say, online polls versus live telephone polls, Trump is trailing in both. So there's no belief that he's lying to live interviewers in the traditional polls. But again, it's possible. That's why our model is not 100 percent on Hillary Clinton. There is a chance that the polls could be wrong. I mean, to talk about that effect for a minute, though, because there does it does seem intuitive that people who are voting for candidates been widely described as racist and, and misogynist and a sexual abuser and all of that might not want to admit it, not only to pollsters, but even to you know members of their own family, their friends. Sure. And I would say a few things. Number one, we know in the past that candidates like Donald Trump, as much as a candidate could be like Donald Trump, didn't outperform their polling. Um, you know, candidates like Todd Aiken, who, you know, obviously had his whole legitimate rape controversy, and there was some thought, oh, maybe voters were afraid to admit that they were going to vote for Todd Aiken. In fact, Todd Aiken did much worse on Election Day than the polls indicated. And the one that I have used all along, which is the David Duke in 1991, he was running for governor of Louisiana, and a lot of pollsters there believed, oh, there's no way that people would be willing to admit that they were voting for David Duke. Therefore, the polls are going to underestimate Duke's performance. But in fact, what happened was the polls overestimated Duke's performance. He did worse on Election Day in large part because black voters turned out in record numbers. So of course, it's possible that people are afraid to admit it. We just don't have any proof that that's the case. It's more conjecture than anything else. Do people lie to pollsters intentionally? I remember I grew up in Chicago and Mike Reiko, who disliked polling for a lot of reasons. He thought it was worked against democracy. And he used to write columns saying you should just lie to pollsters, particularly to exit pollsters. Uh, but I mean, do people do that? I'm sure that there are some people who do that. But I mean, at the end of the day, with response rates at you know 10% in a number of polls, would you really spend that much time on a, taking a poll and then lying to a pollster? It would seem to me to be a waste of time. If you truly hated a poll, you just hang up on the pollster. Right. And and Harry, what do we know based on early voting? It sounds there have been reports that early turnout is very high. Does that give us indications either about turnout on Election Day or what where it points in terms of the results? Uh, I'm very cautious into reading too much in early voting, if only because in a lot of states, we don't necessarily have trends that we can look at over time. The early vote rules have changed. We also, in a number of states, don't necessarily have party registration to say, okay, are more Democrats voting than Republicans? And more than that, you know, why would we necessarily need to look at the early vote when we have the polls, which, you know, are also polling early voters? I will say, though, the following two things. Number one, Nevada is a state where we do have past trends to base off of, where the rules have stayed mostly the same. And we know from the early vote numbers out in the state of Nevada that Hillary Clinton is performing about or at the same level 
that Barack Obama did four years ago. That is, registered Democrats are voting in large numbers in the same way that they did four years ago. And that was a state that Hillary Clinton, or excuse me, Barack Obama won by seven percentage points. So that's a good sign for her. And then the other thing I would point out is there's not really much of a sign in any of the early voting numbers that the polls are systemically wrong. If you are of the belief, perhaps, that there's some hidden Donald Trump enthusiasm, that in itself is not showing up in the early numbers. In fact, Democrats are voting at high numbers, while Republicans are not necessarily when you look across the aggregate of all the early voting states. 538 has been predicting a somewhat higher chance of a Trump victory, although still pretty low in in the scheme of things. Can you? I read a great thing Nate Silver wrote about that, but can you sort of explain in lay terms why you have a slightly more conservative prediction in that direction? I think that there are really two things that we have to get at. Number one, when we're looking at how accurate the polls have been in the past, we look at a larger range of elections. We go back further in time, and polls have been pretty gosh darn accurate in the past few election cycles, less so when you look at an election like 1980, for example. And so we're taking into account that uncertainty. So it's not necessarily that we have Hillary Clinton at a lower percentage of the vote. It's more that we assign a lower percentage chance of winning, given that percentage of the vote. And the other thing that is definitely true about our model is that we see more correlation between states. That is, if Florida moves, then we expect North Carolina to move as well and Virginia to move, while other not all of them, but other people perhaps don't have that same high level of correlation. So that if one state falls by the wayside for Hillary Clinton in their simulations, it doesn't mean the end of the world for her. While in our simulations, it's much more worrisome for her if, say, she were to lose a state like Virginia, then she'd probably also lose a state like North Carolina and Florida, and then her map would be in a lot of trouble. So it's 12 days to the election. Last question, Harry, and a lot can happen in 12 days, but where is your money just personally, your gut in terms of her margin of victory, assuming it's her victory in percentage terms, and the number of electoral votes she'll get? Oh, I I think, you know, if you're looking, I don't see any reason to disagree with our model in particular. I would say it's probably going to be a margin somewhere between five and eight points, probably closer again within that range of six, seven percentage points. So about how Obama did in 2008. In terms of the electoral map, I would say certainly at this point, north of 330 electoral votes, probably in the range of between 345 and 350, with the understanding that, of course, these things can change and we'll see how things actually turn out in 12 days. Uh, Well, Harry, within the margin of error, I feel slightly better for talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the show. Have a good one. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of the Panoply Network. John DiDomenico is, as always, our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. There's this show, Trumpcast, which I've been bitching about for months. They're going live, live, I tell you, live in Southern California, Anaheim, Anaheim Marriott, Anaheim Marriott, not a Trump building. If it's not a Trump hotel, it's a dump hotel. This place is a dump, believe me. So make sure you're not in Anaheim. This Friday, 8 p.m. at the Anaheim Marriott to see Trump cast live at the Now Hear This Podcast Festival. You don't want to do that. Believe me.